Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. I'm excited to invite you to one of our favorite events every year, the Lifeway Women's Leadership Forum. For more than 25 years, we've hosted this event as a space for women like you to gather and sit under training from women's leadership experts. This year, you'll learn from Melissa Kruger, Melissa Spolstra, Alexandra Hoover, Derwin Gray, and Caroline Saunders, plus customize your training with over 20 breakout sessions that meet you wherever you are on your leadership journey. The best part? You'll be doing this alongside like-minded women who are seeking to be equipped for their God-given calling. To learn more and to register, just visit lifeway.com slash forum. Hello and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heineman. I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm good. I'm already feeling like I've my like little in-ear piece that always uh-huh. pops out because I have little ears. Do you have little ears? I do have little ears. We've, I think we've talked about yeah. this before. So, Isn't there like a little children's song like listen with your little ears? I don't oh, be, know. Oh, maybe. Be, oh, be careful little ears. Be careful little ears. Hear. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> wow. Hey, so enough of that. <laughs> um, super excited because one of my friends, Rachel Lovingood, is on the podcast today. Hey, Rachel. Hey, girl. It's so good to see y'all. And strangely enough, I know this is random, but I have little ears too. I don't understand. <laughs> kind of funny. It's a little little ears podcast. Yeah. Do you have trouble like keeping your <laughs> AirPods in and stuff? Sunglasses. Anything that yeah. goes in your ear always make mine hurt because they're they're uh-huh. they don't fit right. Yeah. I need to just bring band aids and like tape, tape it them on. Uh-huh. Somebody tell me. Yeah. It was my big. QVC, you know, when oh, I got to do yeah. that. So they, they said, they actually said put band-aids over your ears to help huh. hold on there. I would so. not have thought of that. There but your you hair covers yours, so that would have worked. There you go. Yeah, that's a little behind the scenes for yeah, y'all. Yeah, behind the scenes. <laughs> so, well, Rachel. Rachel, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your ministry um, that you're a part of. Sure. So I'm married to Jeff, and we have been in ministry for like ever, it seems like, um, but 35 years. We've been married um, 35 years and working on 36 now. 
obviously I was like 12 when we got married. Obviously. So, mm-hmm. kidding. Um, <laughs> I was 20. <laughs> I was 20. Um, and we've lived all over. We've had that ministry journey that was um, various and sundry places. And so we've lived in Texas and Louisiana and a couple places in Florida and then three, three or four places in Tennessee. And Tennessee is kind of home for us and and um, and where we landed, where we started out, and then now where we're where we are now. We raised three kids in ministry. We have Trevor, Kelsey, and Riley. Trevor's thirty something, and he and his wife Erica have three littles, and they planted a church in Denver, Colorado, this year, and they have just moved there. And technically, right now, are city missionaries, and right in the heart of Denver. So huge, huge prayer request for us. And then Kelsey, our daughter, is next in line. She's married to Luke, and he's a college pastor at uh, Cross Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And um, they have two little girls. And then our youngest son, Riley, got married last year. So we kind of completed the, oh, we're very thankful for the beautiful, wonderful, how much we love our our in-laws that our kids married. They made very, very, very wise choices. And so we're thankful for that. So Riley and Grace live in Knoxville, Tennessee. He works in politics and she just took the bar last week and about to become a lawyer. And so they've been married for the last year. We've just been doing ministry and raising kids and trying not to, you know, mess anything up and just keep up with everything. Yeah. And Riley had an interesting stint this summer, like playing football. Talk about that. I know know you want to. (laughs) He did. He played football at Tennessee at the University of Tennessee. And but he finished in COVID year and had hurt his knee, so he didn't get his shot at the NFL. And was like, well, I guess that's just not God's plans for me. And okay, so he was working in politics, and then like last year, he thought, you know what? I think I might just still want to play professional football. And so he started training again and ended up playing for the USFL. And so he did that league. It's like a 10, 10 week season, and that happened um, in April May. But he actually made it to his team. Um, the Maulers made it to the finals of the yeah. USFL. So we got to go up to Canton, Ohio and watch the finals, which we ended up coming in second. But um, but it was really fun. It was just like, okay, professional football after three years of not playing football. But he did great. We had a good time. That's so fun. That's so fun. Well, I know that, I mean, you and I could talk football and it is the fall. So it is football season and we, we love that so much. But we really want to talk a little bit about just, our, you know, women's ministry, our heart for women's ministry, and you've had a long journey and you've kind of seen different parts of that. So tell us a little bit about just how it's been really kind of an integral, integral part of your life, especially even as a ministry wife. And this is Pastor Appreciation Month, so I think it's a good time for us to talk about this, but what does it look like for you to be in women's ministry? For sure. Um, women's ministry has always been hugely important to me. And what's it, what was kind of funny or interesting or different or however you want to describe it is every church that Jeff and I served at, um, I had the opportunity to either start women's ministry or jump in and kind of help facilitate, you know, it, its growth or its, you know, whatever was happening at the time. And and it, you think about it because I was reading through the questions that you guys were, were asking and I was thinking about kind of the differences and and those kind of things. And, um, but, but what, what I noticed is this, whatever stage of life I was in, that was kind of the, you know, what dictated how the women's ministry was go- going at that thing. So some churches, I started play groups where I just got together with some other moms and, and we did, you know, life together and our kids and Bible studies and 
prayer groups. And when Riley was playing football at Tennessee, I did some women's mission things on prayer. And so there's all of these different things that God has just kind of opened doors for me to kind of help get started or help get launched and um, everywhere that we've been. And that's been huge because it's, it's really hard to plant yourself somewhere without making those connections. And women's ministry is such a vital place to go and find like-minded people that you can do life with and you can grow with and that kind of iron sharpens iron, you know, kind of, kind of people in your life. And so it's always been important to me selfishly because I needed it. But here's what God's always reminds me. If I need it, I'm just some average woman following Jesus, you know, that kind of thing. If I need it, all these other women do too. So let's do what you need to do and then make it available for other people. So that's kind of been a little bit of kind of the foundation of, of how and why I've always been involved in women's ministries because gosh, I needed it myself. So mm-hmm. I figured everybody else does too. I love that. Um, kind of that mentality of looking at your church or your community and just asking, what is it that I'm missing here? And I'm sure that I'm not the only one missing that. So yeah, like play dates or mm-hmm. prayer groups or whatever. And that's a good place for people to start with. Mm-hmm especially if their church doesn't have a a women's ministry or if they're in a smaller church, um, that may be a great place to just start. And especially I know a lot of people are just tasked with like, start a women's ministry. And it's like, okay, what do I do? And so that would just be an easy, an easy solution. And it solves a problem for you as well. You know, it solves a, like, I, I need friends. I need somebody to, you know, pray with me or whatever it may be. Or, you know, if, if you have a women's ministry, a lot of times a woman will come to the women's ministry person and they'll say, Hey, I really need this, or we need to start this. And instead of her starting it, like help, like you be the person to help facilitate that. Because I think when you have that need, like you aren't, you're right, Rachel, you're not the only one that probably has that need. And so you can begin that. So any woman can really be part of that. And that also, yeah, I think if you're thinking about your women's ministry leader, maybe it is a young mom. Mm -hmm. And so she's not seeing the needs of someone who is a grandmother age and is needing something different. And so to be like, Hey, I've noticed that I need this in my life and I would love to help you with that because I know you have this other ministry, this play date ministry, which is so great. Um, So instead of, yeah, like here's another thing for you to do, (laughs) just offer to help with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you mentioned that you had been in women's ministry over the years in different capacities. So what are some things that you've noticed that have changed about women's ministry over the years? And then what are some things that haven't changed that they are always true about women's ministry? Yeah, interesting question and a little bit tough because as I was thinking about it, I was wondering, I wonder if women's ministry is that different or if I'm that different. Does that make sense? You know, is it just, yeah. um, because a lot of it, like I said, was about life stages and all that I was interested in was, you know, were things that applied to me or, you know, um, at whatever stage I was in. Um, but then kind of on reflection, I, I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of, or several years ago, so let's say 25, 30 years ago, um, that was when they just kind of launched um, those big events. I was right. at one of the first big events that Lifeway ever hosted, by the way, in Fort Lauderdale, I believe. And um, yeah, and I was there and took a group of women from the church we were at currently or at that time. And I think it was about 20 something. Anyway, doesn't matter about that. But so big (laughs) events had just kind of come on the scene. 
Prior to that, it was only just groups, small groups, and we didn't really even have big group things at the churches that I was at at the time anyway. Um, and then kind of big group, big events came and people said, how do I figure out how to get to those? And those are fantastic. Um, but I think they work best when they're working hand in hand with the, with the smaller, more intimate, doing live together things at the local church, you know, and when they can kind of happen um, in sync and just in a coordinated effort so that, hey, we're, we're doing life over here on this ongoing basis. And then every now and then we have these opportunities when somebody's near, like if Lifeway puts on a Lifeway Women's Live or Priscilla, you know, those kind mm-hmm. of events that we can go to. And those are kind of like these extra boosts. Um, uh, but then I think remembering to focus too on just the ongoing ministry is, is really important. And so I think that we saw a really big shift. We had all of that going on and um, and and for a long time in the old days, I hate to say it like that, but um, in the old days for me, um, there weren't that many options on Bible studies and things like there was a couple of teachers and a couple of styles and boom, you know, if you if those didn't work for you, you know, what you, mm-hmm. you just kind of hung in there. Um, and, and I think we've seen just such the blessing of of just this wide range of teachers and styles and topics and you know ways to approach bible study because y'all let's face it our god is creative and our bible is full Mm -hmm. of interesting powerful amazing things there's no one way to look at it other than just honestly truthfully and believing what it says other than that different things are you know empowering and so i think we've kind of seen women's ministry kind of um take the lid off if you will and say what can we do to reach people and what can we do to to help people and and equip them in like Ephesians talks about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. How can we as women come alongside each other and do that? So I don't know if that's enough. That's kind of the differences. And mm-hmm. but but I would say this that here's the thing about the saying that God keeps reminding me. I just got off of a Zoom call a minute ago um, with some friends of ours who do ministry in an, in a completely other country, like across the world, in a closed, fairly. Um, fairly close to to Christian faith country. And we were talking about coming there and doing some women's events. And I've had the privilege of doing some um, last year in that place. And here's what God keeps reminding me. Women are the same everywhere. Mm. That's what's the same about women. We're the same everywhere. <laughs> we have different accents. We, we dye our hair more in some places than other places. We dress different <laughs> culture differences, you know, that kind of thing. But here's the deal on the inside. We are who God created us to be as women, and we have so many things in common. We are still stressed over these things. We still are anxious about our kids. You know, all of those same things that that are on my plate here in good old Cleveland, Tennessee, America, are the same things that are on my friend's plate in another country. They just look a little different in the trappings. And so God mm-hmm. just continues to remind me that women are the same, and His Word speaks to every one of us. Um, in the way that we need it to, even though our our lifestyles and all of those things might be different, deep inside, same issues, same challenges, same needs. Uh, yes, I think um, we were just having a conversation earlier today about generational differences that you'll get to hear in a couple of weeks on the Mark podcast. But I was just struck with how much it applies to all the generations. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing is what you're saying is it applies to all of us. Like we all are searching for our identity for belonging, for hope, for love. And um, so I think it's just one of those things that 
the context will shape the method of the message, but the message stays the same. Um, my one of my pastors says, "I'm married to the message, but I'm I can." Uh, you know, we can kind of, we're dating the method. <laughs> so he's like, we can, we can change the method up depending on the context, but the message is always going to stay the same. And so. Which I don't know. If y'all think about even just women in the Bible, like mm-hmm. they're women. Yeah. They, they are real women who in a lot of ways are still, they're still the same. Yeah. Um, and I know you've, you've written on women in the Bible before Rachel and, and Elizabeth, you have too, but it, it does help us kind of put that into context of, hey, they had some of the same mm-hmm. same feelings and struggles and desires, and they were disciple makers. Yeah. And there's some comfort in that, too, of um, my problems are not new. Mm-hmm. They may, again, take a slightly a different, different shape, shape. Mm-hmm. but they're not new. And we've seen God be faithful in the lives of these women in the Bible and the lives of women throughout history. Mm-hmm. And also, the next generation is not that's not anything to be afraid of too. Cause I think a lot of times those of us who have been in ministry for a while can kind of be a little afraid of the new generations, mm-hmm. like in the, in the meaning that we're like, I don't know how to reach them. I don't know what to do because they're so different. But what you're saying, Rachel is we're actually all the same. So <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we do what we need. Like we find what our needs are and we can kind of um, work that into how to reach other people. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. I I love the fact, Rachel, like you teach with us and at our U Lead events and you're one of our trainers and you've done this for a long time. Um, and I, I know you've seen those changes, but one of the, the passions that you have is really reaching women outside the walls of the church. And so I, I want us to, to help women understand why is that so important? And then maybe what are some practical things? Things that women leaders, you know, women's ministry leaders can do to help their women see outside the church walls. Okay, that's awesome. Yes, you're exactly right, Kelly. That's a huge passion of mine. I heard it said one time, um, described this way, that the Old Testament was the mindset of build it and they will come. Mm -hmm. And the New Testament is go and find them. And we live in the New Testament culture and no longer are churches able to just build a structure and go, you know what? Lost people are just going to come find us. Right. No, they're not. <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not going to beat down the doors. And, and so several years ago, God just started really impressing on me just the need to, for myself, but also to push the women challenge, I guess is a better word than push, but challenge and encourage the women around me to get outside the walls and become the church out there instead of just the church as we meet here. And so years ago, when Jeff and I came to this church, which is almost nine years now, eight something, um, we started talking about what that could look like. And and I said, you know what? Let's just get women serving. Like, let's let's stop being the women who circle up and stare at each other and just pat ourselves on the back because we finished another study, put it on the shelf and start the next one. Bible studies are great. Do them. But make sure that you're doing them with the right goal in mind, which is life change, to be transformed, mm-hmm. like Romans 12, 2 says. I'm not doing Bible studies to get smarter. You know, hey, who's got the energy for that, right? And I'm not here for that. That's not going to make any difference. I'm here. I'm going to do Bible studies so I become more like Christ. And so if that's really what we want to do, and I really do believe that women are willing to serve and minister, but I think they look, um, they lack the opportunity. And so if we can create that. And so that first summer that we were in Cleveland, we planned a, um, a like a serve day. And we called it Make a Difference Day. And we just asked women, hey, sign up and we're going to give you something to, in this community 
where you can serve people and girls. We had over 300 something women wow. right off the bat that came out to serve that day. And you say to me, where do you find projects? Well, because you don't want to get people to come serve and then not actually have something for them to do. So we talked to nonprofits in our area and said, how could, is there a project we could do for you that would minister? We told them what was going on in advance. And so we're not, we talked to nonprofits. We talked to local public schools and said, how could we on a Saturday morning for about three or four hours do something to bless your school? You know, and does that make sense? So we talked to food pantries. We have one at our church. So we talked to people who are already boots on the ground here, already have established service and ministry and said, what can we do? And y'all on that make a difference day. We, a bunch of women went around Cleveland, Tennessee and pressure washed at schools and picked up trash and prayer walked neighborhoods and distributed food and threw a block party for, you know, all of these different things. And do you know what happened over and over that day? Women came up because I helped lead and organize it. I'm not taking credit. I'm saying I was like the figurehead of kind of instructions and things. And y'all, women after woman after woman after woman came to me and said, here's what they said to me. Thank you so much for letting me serve. This is the best day I've had in a long time. Wow. How can we do this more often? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my goodness, give them the opportunity and they will get involved in. And so that was kind of what started at Kelly. And then we began, we said, you know what? Why is this once a year? Why do we do this once? Let's do it every week. So on the day that we have Bible study at our church, we also have a group called Hands and Feet. And we literally every single Wednesday morning do a mission project somewhere in Cleveland. Now, sometimes it's at our church. Like we might do something to serve one of the ministries of our church because Hey, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have these opportunities. And and sometimes we partnered with um, some of the nonprofits that we originally had met up with, and then we've added others. There's a there's a group in town for um, for rescuing people who've been um, trafficked physically, mm-hmm. human trafficking, and we'll do projects for them. Um, we'll do projects for um, several foster ministries in our town. Like there's a there's an Isaiah one seventeen house. Those are fantastic group that we work with and we'll go in and do projects for them and and their their um coordinator will call or text me and say help i need the um you know i need i need the 18 to come in here and do you know we'll come and do that and we work with this other nonprofit that's all about revitalization and y'all will love this they're they called me because they buy those houses and um that are in bad shape and they called me and said hey we've got some houses a couple houses that we need demoed do you all want to do it and i'm like Oh my goodness, yes. Never underestimate what 20 to 25 <laughs> women with some sledgehammers and some crowbars can do with some <laughs> pent-up aggression. Because girl, I'm telling you that we we took a 1,200 square foot house and demoed it in about an hour and a wow. half, two hours. Wow. All the kitchen cabinets, all the flooring. And part of the reason why this house was needing work was because the, the the main living floor had actually rotted through. And so we were stepping on just oh, wow. the cross beams. And, but we did that. And it's just, so it's this wide variety. And then sometimes they'll finish the houses and we'll go in and do like the final spruce up, you know. So we mm-hmm. all kind of turn on our HGTV, um, yeah. you know, vibes <laughs> and, and do those kind of things. But the whole key is this. We do it and we do it in the name of Jesus. We throw, uh, we throw women's ministry. We call them ladies' days. We throw those part with these ladies' day parties in this um, this one community that's a little bit lower socioeconomic community, and we invite all the women there, as, and we go pick them up, and some of them are coming in on their walkers or you know whatever, and a lot of them are kind of basically homebound, and we'll bring them together and just have these little mini women's events for them, and we 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 share a devotion, we pray for them, 
everything that we do with people, we do it bathed in prayer and asking God to use us to be his hands and feet. And he does. So that's kind of ongoing. And then if you're thinking about reaching the community, Kelly, what you were talking about too, tied with events is, is when we host events or when we throw an event, we always ask ourselves, how can we get the lost and unchurched to come? What would bring them here? Why would they, why would they be interested in coming to this event? at this time. And we've done things before where if we had to sell tickets, where we sold a ticket and it had a an extra ticket, like a buy one, get one free. So like Kelly, you might buy a $15 ticket, but you had an extra ticket on there and you committed to using that ticket to bring somebody who doesn't go to church. So, mm-hmm. you know, just being intentional about keeping that mindset of of our goal is, is life change for us and for those who don't know Jesus. It, I think it kind of is really fun. You know, yeah. I knew that you did that service ministry, but I do not think I realized that you did it every single week. Yeah. Like that takes a lot of coordination too. Like, you know, someone's got to be intentional mm-hmm. about figuring out what are we doing. And how many women would you say participate in that? We, we sure probably have, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we probably have 35 or 40 in our group me. So if you yeah. ever want to organize something like that, you can shoot me an email and I can give you some of the heads up. But here's the things. So we do communication through GroupMe. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't read emails. I've figured that out. But anyway, <laughs> we do it through GroupMe. And um, and we have, we try to get a set, a kind of a set where we know at least once every six weeks, we're going to have a ladies day. And another thing we started with our churches, we do a thing called mobile manna. And so one week a month, we take those bags of food that you can come to my church and get. We take them actually to the community and we also take hot lunch and we give away a hot lunch and a bag of staples in a, in a community where a lot of times y'all, the people that we knock on their door and say, Hey, we brought you some lunch and we brought you some, some food that you can use for the rest of the month or the, you know, whatever. And sometimes we're the only people who've knocked on their door since Mm -hmm. the last time we knocked on their door Mm -hmm. and they say, Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to see you because we have, I haven't seen anybody in so long because I can't get out. So all of those kind of things. And so we try to have a few set things. So first of the month, the first Wednesday of the month, we know we're going to do mobile man. And, you know, that kind of helps with the planning thing. And then we kind of just keep a few things on tap and and see what fits what schedule. And, you know, the Lord never lets us down. Um, mm-hmm. One of our main mottos is be flexible. And, mm-hmm. and, and that means that if we say, hey, we're going to do this project, for instance, Isaiah 117 house, hey, we're going to go work at Isaiah 117 house. That morning, if they get a call about a kid coming in, we can't go in. So we have to, you know, punt that. And and so we kind of try to keep a few things in our back pocket um, that we can meet at the church and do, or we can help with their preschool ministry, you know, clean out their re. There's a there's resource rooms at your church that yes. would love to have you come <laughs> I was clean say. out organize or like, and that's kind of our backup. You know, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, or I'll start texting out, some of the ministers. cutting out the puzzle yeah. pieces or whatever it is <laughs> for the like kids yeah. preschool ministry. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but hey, that's a service that yes. is greatly mm-hmm. appreciated. Yeah. And I may we, we're not going to do that every week, but gosh, we'll do that. And our preschool minister says, "Oh, thank you so much." <laughs> and our uh, our local missions pastor calls us the Navy SEALs of local missions. And so I'm like, I yeah. like that a lot. I do too. Yeah. And w- one yeah. thing that I like is even if your church, like say it's a smaller church or a church where the women can't do this every week because of work or whatever, that um, you when you use local ministries like that, 
a lot of times then they have volunteer opportunities for the women who are like, I want to do this every week, yes, but yes. maybe you as a church can't do it every week, but they're, they have those needs of, and my church does that. We partner with like a local elementary school. And so there are some people that go every week to do tutoring and reading partners. And then there's also like the bigger projects that we do like once a month, once a quarter or something like that. But then there's all these different ministries. So I think, um, what you were talking about with choosing these local ministries that have these ongoing needs is so helpful for women, whether or not you do it all together or just pointing them to them. Because mm-hmm. like you said, so many women would love to serve. They just don't know where to get started. They don't know like how to mm-hmm. do it. They don't know who needs help, when they need help, how they need help. So and sometimes it's just identifying women in your church who are already connected right. to a local you know, ministry. Yeah. If, if maybe it's a pregnancy center right. or maybe it's a backpack ministry at school and you just have to go, okay, we're going to partner, like, we want to yeah. support you. How do mm-hmm. we help you? So sometimes I think we try to create things that yes. there are, some of those things People are already, already happening. doing. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, um, along with that is identifying these strengths of mm-hmm. women. Like there may be women who are just really good at painting walls and doing the HGTV kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, hey, I see that you're really good at this and also you enjoy it. Here's a ministry where they could use that gift. Um, and so I think that's, that is also really helpful to people. So even if you can't do this every week, to have like a database of those um, ministries would be super helpful in your women's ministry. That's and, a good idea. Or maybe even just plan a Saturday morning, like a two hours yeah. where where all of those people come and tell you, here's the opportunities that we have available. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sometimes women just almost need permission to go to go yes. serve or, you know, or just the idea or whatever. You know, you could organize one thing that, lasted for them than them committing to doing it as as their schedule fits yeah Yeah, nothing's a one-size-fits-all I don't think right no but I think that those are some great tips for getting started and for ways to reach out because I do think and I think it's just encouraging to hear that you have so many women that want to do this because I think sometimes we tend to be like well I don't know if women really want to serve. I don't know if they have time. And so to just say, no, they do. <laughs> we just need to give them opportunities is very encouraging and helpful. Yeah, that's a good point. A good point. Well, I've always found that they appreciate it. So, yeah. yes. Yeah, definitely. So besides the ministry that you have with Jeff and your church, you also have children, like you said, in ministry who are like church planters. Um, and so... How does women's ministry fit into the context of like a brand new church? How have you seen that play out? What um, what are some steps? Why is it important? Those kind of things. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, and <laughs> the longer that Trevor's out there, I'll let you know more details. But, but um, <laughs> yes. one thing, one thing that that uh, that is good. Trevor and I have conversations all the time. He calls me, mom, here's what's going on. You know, tells me what's going on, asks advice. Cause of course, Jeff and I are both doing that. Um, it, it's hugely important because, and, and Trevor's already, his wife, Erica, um, she actually has a, uh, a full-time job, but she, you know, helps do a lot of the things that they're getting started there in their mission work too. Um, and, and she had served in women's ministry at the church that were at prior to being sent out to Denver and um, she and I have had tons of good chats about how to make things, um, how to how to develop different things and those kind of things. Um, women's ministry is going to look different in a church plant. It's mm-hmm. going to look different in something that's just brand new. But here's what we need to remember. Women's ministry is not about what you do. 
It's about who you're doing it with. Okay. So it's not about we have to do things, da, 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 because that's the way they did at that Baptist church back in Tennessee. But it's about what is it going to take in this place? And we'll use Denver as the example. What is it going to take in downtown Denver to reach women with the gospel and help them learn how to do life together so that they experience life change? And so it's all about who they're working with. And so women's ministry there is going to look a lot different. It has to do with apparently a a lot with coffee shops and (laughs) a lot of coffee shops and a lot of taking walks and, you know, those kind of things and, and going hiking and, you know, whatever is in that culture and that community that they can do to connect with. So it's all about, I think, training people to think outside the box, but also reminding them to be intentional about all the relationships that they develop. And I do a lot of work and, or I do a lot of teaching on, um, on reaching people who are different than you. Um, I wrote a resource on it called Everything Summed Up. And the whole point of it is the things I learned from a neighbor of mine that was an atheist. So completely away from God and completely different from me. And she taught me so much. And one of the number one things that I think is important when you think about women's ministry in a setting that's slightly different than maybe what you've been used to is this. Nobody wants to be your project, but everybody's open to a new relationship. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to have a friend and nobody wants to be your project. And so if I look at people with how can I be a friend of that person, that's going to change the whole dynamic of how we do women's ministry. And that because women's ministry is not about coming to an event, but it is about who I'm doing ministry with and to and for. And that is just women connecting with women around the gospel of Jesus Christ and learning the subtitle of my book is Overcoming Differences to love your neighbor as yourself, because that's what God called us to do. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. But here's the thing. Most of us don't love a lot of our neighbors. I mean, I hope they're not watching. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I love all my neighbors. But the point is, it's easy to love the neighbors that I have so much in common with, but it is challenging to love the neighbors who have a different mindset, culture, background, religious, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, but God calls us to love them all. And so the way that we do that is learn how to overcome the differences. And I think that's the key to women's ministry anywhere is overcoming differences so that I can love them as myself and, and, and follow the commands of God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there definitely Something. are the women within your church body that mm-hmm. you need to minister to and with, but then it's the women that you see every single day, whether it's maybe your children's teachers, or maybe it's the person that does your dry cleaning or, you know, just someone that you see at. I heard the someone, barista in your coffee shop in Colorado. In coffee yeah. Shop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a lot of their stories have been have been based in coffee shops. Trevor's like, Mom, I led somebody to Jesus today at Starbucks. I, wow. Hey, you know, baptized the guy in his backyard last week. I mean, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Kelly. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd heard somebody tell a story about that they intentionally went to the same grocery store at the same time and looked for the same checkout cashier. Mm-hmm. And they developed this relationship just, you know, every time they went and got to know who they were and found out just some real needs that they had, practical needs. But then there were also the spiritual needs and was able to lead them to the Lord over, you know, a period of time. And I think sometimes we we think that it has to be so difficult and that we have to have this program or plan or that we have to have something memorized. But it's really just investing our lives in the lives Mm -hmm. of others and and you know, for practical reasons, women are going to, it's going to be easier for us to have those conversations with other women that we meet. Yeah. Well, oh, 
you do okay. it. You do it. I was going to say, Rachel, this is the Marked Podcast. And so we always ask, and we would love to know your answer to the question of what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? And it's a good question because, gosh, one thing. Um, but um, I know. We're just I, asking for one thing, not the thing. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Uh, but the thing that comes to my mind the most is is tied to a story that I can't tell you because it's too long. But um, but something that God taught me the second week I was married and we were driving out to, to seminary at Fort, in Fort Worth and we got trapped in an ice storm. And we were stuck in an mm-hmm. ice storm at a Best Western in Mount Pleasant, Texas for a week. Um, and I was 20 and Jeff was 24. <laughs> Not the funnest place. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. And by the way, Mount Pleasant, Texas, no offense to you, but complete misnomer. There was nothing pleasant about anything that happened that week. And it was the Blue Northern. It was it was um, January of 1988. And I've told this story at like in a teaching event thing one time or several times. And once I was in Texas and this lady on the front row goes, I remember that storm, honey. It was a doozy. I was like, yeah. But so we were trapped in that in that storm. And all I could think was, God, this is not what I signed up for. I'm sorry, you might have us confused with somebody else because we're going into ministry. We're going to serve you. And this is not what I was you know, expecting. And there's a whole lot of wrestling that happened that week. And it was just a completely miserable week. And for a lot of different reasons, um, as far as um, the circumstances went. But then out of that ice storm, we ended up getting stuck again on our way into Texas once the, the uh, we were able to get back out a little bit and then got trapped in, in a little town called Roy City, Texas, where we ended up having a call and stay at the local pastor's house because, the, you know, there was no room in the end <laughs> and no stable or anything like that. And and all of that led to that being the first church that we ever served at, First Baptist wow. of Roy City, Texas. Wow. So through an ice storm and then a, a, another terrible day of driving eight hours, going 80 miles and getting stuck again in Roy City, Texas, God brought us to the first place to serve. And here's the thing that marked me. It does not matter what my plans are or even what I think should happen. What matters is that I allow God to be in control that I surrender my will to his and recognize that sometimes in life, when it seems like you're stuck in the middle of an ice storm in Mount Pleasant, Texas, you're really in the center of God's will and you're being held in his hand until such time as he reveals then what the next step is for you. And he always taught me, don't rely on yourself. You got to rely on me and and to tell me that I can trust him with everything that he is doing. And I can trust him with everything that matters to me. And I will tell y'all that that changed my life forever. And over and over through 36, five years of ministry from then, there have been moments in which other crazy circumstances has happened, have happened. And and God has taken me back to that. And don't remember, remember when I told you back then, I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Not about, not about my plans. Not about what I think should happen or how nice I think it should be, but about what God wants to do in and through us when we surrender to him. That's a good word for all of us yeah. in women's ministry. It's all, all of us that are just human you know, beings. women, human beings, <laughs> and, and even ministry wives, because like I said, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. And so I think sometimes it's really, it's easy to get discouraged in ministry. And so I think those are good words. Thanks so much, Rachel. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. 
Well, listeners, this has been a good conversation. This is really fun. And it's always fun to have you. And you can hear Rachel at some of our You Lead events. And you'll want to make sure that you check that out. And um, thanks again so much for joining us today, listeners. And we see you back here next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.